0: This is episode... Four of Rail Talk with Shoesmith, Smith, and I am thrilled today to have a good friend of mine, Chris Wright, who is the Managing Director of Nottingham Trams, here with me, and we're going to talk about things from a light rail perspective today. Up until now, we've focused pretty much on the wider network and on all things heavy rail, so time to give light rail a chance. So, Chris, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into this?
1: Yeah. So, uh, morning, Michelle. Great to be here. Thank you very much for the, uh, inviting me to come and talk to you. Um, yeah. A bit about myself then. So, um, uh, whole. whole career in um uh, in in rail um starting out in in consulting from a a graduate program Mm -hmm. um and then moved into um train operations probably about just over 10 years ago Mm -hmm. uh sort of managing depots and things like that and eventually progressing to be um fleet director at east midlands trains uh, and then on to be commercial director um, and then more recently in the last six months, taken on this this new challenge of managing director at Nottingham Trams, which um, obviously it's a bit of a change moving out of just the heavy rail bit. environment into into light rail and uh, a bit of an eye opener. Yeah. What's been the biggest change, would you say? Um, if you could name just one. Yeah, I think probably the adjustment to uh, the, the totally different, approach uh to if i say to safety i don't mean that uh, lesser less i don't mean lesser safety um standards but what is really different and is, is it took a lot of getting used to um a lot of the control measures from safety is based on um relying on drivers yep. uh, driving on line of sight yep and it sounds obvious when you you know when, when you say it and you think about it but it isn't it isn't until you're in the middle of it, and uh, you know, I remember standing in the back of our control room watching, watching the trams drive through Old Market Square in Nottingham um, uh, when there was a an event on, mm-hmm. and I think there was a, there was a, a march on it or something like that, and uh, watching people walk out in front of the, tr- and I'm wincing, <laughs> literally taking a step back. Thinking, oh god you know um and I, i'm sort of t- talk, turning to to my team saying well how can this be allowed how can we do this and i said well this, this is how it works and yeah i said well but what happens we might you know we're going to hit somebody mm-hmm. I go, no 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 the drivers are driving on line of sight they they really experienced it yeah. driving it this, this way um and again similar as looking at a different part of the network where we're going across uh, crossings mm-hmm. and um saying well this can't be right that we you know we're doing 30 40 miles per hour across this crossing and then this sort of explains to you but what's the difference between it being you know um on a road or you know yeah. you're driving your car or driving a bus and you sort of step back and go okay yeah there's the that's the real difference yeah. um and <clears throat> i think it is that 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 driving on line of sight which which makes such a difference to um uh, uh, everything then that flows through it, the cost of the network and the cost of the operation yeah. and things like that and, and the flexibility of the operation. Yeah. Um, but by goodness, it took a lot of adjustment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it I really Because
1: you've had it instilled in you.
0: And, and knowing what that market square is like when it's busy and the fact that there are a number of pubs very close by to the track I can imagine that it caused you some uh, yeah I can imagine I can just imagine I've seen people and yes um, uh, I,
1: I, I've probably got some interesting stories but not for now <laughs> not for now
0: Not for now. we're going to talk about the safety of light rail and also the fact that light rail is such a different offering to yeah. to mainline rail isn't it I mean mainline rail is more often than not it's about going A to B and and light rail is a very different offering it's you know we were talking earlier about the fact that it, is it for commute? is it for people who actually want to go within subpoints? people going to school i know from when i used to use the tram a lot you know you'd see an awful lot of school school children using it in the morning as yes. well so yeah. it's not necessarily people saying right we, we we live outside of nottingham we want to get to nottingham it's people wanting to get to other places yeah
1: absolutely it? and and i've uh, i've been doing a number of internal briefings over the last month and one of the things i've been stressing is around the uh the role we play in the um the social networks mm-hmm. around nottingham and and, yeah. and what we bring to the the city and the wider uh the wider region you know we serve lots of schools mm-hmm. we serve um our colleges our two universities hospital we're the only uh only light rail network house as a guest probably the only uh rail network that serves directly into a Uh, into a hospital, you know, almost directly into the A&E department of a a hospital, which is... So so when you then look at what that's doing for um, the social mobility of the Mm -hmm. city, whether that's allowing people to attend uh, hospital appointments or you know, visit their loved ones in hospitals or I'm um, <clears throat> most fascinated watching, you know, the, you, you know, the region. Our first tram of the day that's at about quarter past five and the amount of people it picks up from Radford Road mm-hmm. to take them to um, Meadows Way because there is a specific factory there. Yeah, And you think, well, that's enabling employment and
0: Absolutely.
1: the city. So it's, it plays a really important role in the, the economy of the city and that social mobility as well.
0: It does, and it's interesting because I can remember when it was first being built and it was there was quite a lot of negative feelings towards it because obviously, you know, you're building a, a tram line, there's a lot of disruption. There's a lot of disruption to the roads and road changes and, and this, that and the other. And and I think that the tram system in Nottingham was embraced really quite quickly. Um even if it was just by the businesses that that used to use it for pub crawl events, (laughs) because that was still a favourite to stop at a pub at every single station. But but yeah, I think think you're right. I think that it it serves a much different purpose to rail. And actually, it's run in a very different way to rail, so that when, you know, without going into it, we've we've had problems on the mainland railway at the moment for whatever reason. And so... um, People aren't sure whether their train's going to be available, whether it's going to be a strike day. That hasn't affected light no. rail, no. and so no. it it provides that alternative, and it also provides it's because uh, I know that at one point Nottingham City were looking at congestion charges for for Nottingham, um, but actually the tram does serve a lot of that purpose, doesn't it? There's a number of park and ride sites, and so it it does alleviate the city centre from some cars.
1: Oh yeah, very definitely. Um, we're the largest car park operator in Nottingham. That's a statistic. <laughs> that wasn't something I was expecting to be part of my remit when I <clears throat> when I took over to be the largest car park operator. Um, but it's true. Um, we've got more car parking spaces than any other operator in Nottingham. Okay. Uh, as part part of the um, park and ride. Yeah um but i think that is we say we were talking about that challenge then of trying to be everything mm-hmm. to everybody um is is quite challenging and yeah. how how are you you know how do you efficiently be a um park and ride service as well as helping people commute from um, their homes their homes yeah. and of course what people want if they're commuting is they want tram stops close to their close to their homes and close to the destinations they're going to mm. but if you're generally if you're a park and ride user what you probably want is to be picked up on the outskirts and have a very fast service delivering you right into the city centre yeah. um, and sometimes i think the tram network struggles with that because the duration of doing all the lots of little stops yeah. uh, slows it down a bit yeah. i think that's one of the challenges
0: it, it is. And I know that at one stage they were talking about potentially having a light rail system, whether it was the extension of the Nottingham tram or a new system going between Nottingham and Derby. And that was that at one point they were even talking about it being a system that ran down the centre of the A52 so that it did do that commuter service, potentially from Totem when we were talking about it all around the HS2 offering. Um But yes, I think it is. It's that time that it takes. But it's trying to be all things to all people is is obviously quite difficult. Yes. But as well as kind of the the social aspect that that the tram has, it it also um, it plays a big part on the environmental side of things as well, doesn't it? Because it is it's very environmentally friendly. Not only because it's taking cars off the roads, but but also in terms of the technology. What future do you think that there is in terms of further developing that environmental friendliness?
1: I think the key bit for me is how um, how you make light rail um, cost effective to roll out because uh, I think you've already got a very um, very environmentally friendly way of transporting people yeah uh, they're all all fully electric mm-hmm. uh, fully electric trams. The, the the thing is we need to see more of it and we need to see not just in Nottingham, we need to see more of it across the UK. Um, but the stumbling blocks, is, and you sort of referred to it, the stumbling blocks are in that initial construction phase, not just the cost but the disruption. Mm. Um, I, I, th- I think the bit for me is how new technology can uh, reduce some of those costs um, and reduce the disruption. Yep. Certainly if you could get away from um, overhead lines being installed everywhere, I think that's a big step yeah. uh from a from a technical point of view um, and you can see that happening you can see that happening in europe there's plenty of examples of light rail networks which mm-hmm. are either discontinuous where they run off the off the overhead lines i think um uh, certainly the one i can think of i think in seville um works in that way okay um either using battery technology or supercapacitors, or, or maybe hydrogen this yeah, yeah. Uh, topic of the week um <laughs> but i think things like that either where uh, there's opportunity to run light rail wholly on uh, what I'd call sort of self-propulsion, mm-hmm. um, or at least partially, mm-hmm. because you know the, the 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 OLE structure, particularly in the middle of city centres, is a very expensive part yeah. of the the construction. Absolutely. So if you can avoid that, um, mm. that that's that's brilliant, and um, and it just reduces the visual impact as well, which is you know another, another part of the environment. Abs-
0: absolutely think, impact. Absolutely. So in terms of that and talking about new technologies and that th- there is a kind of a forum, isn't there, for, for light rail in the same way that we've got the Rail Forum and we've got the Rail Fre- Freight Group. Um, how closely do the operators work together in terms of sharing ideas and initiatives and, and looking at potential innovation?
1: Yeah, um, more so than ever. Uh, it's, it's definitely an area that's been developing over the last um, last five or 10 years mm-hmm. um, uh, and really... Uh, driving towards a more joined-up mm-hmm. uh, type industry. Um, so there's lots of lots of those discussions take place. Lots of thoughts being shared. The challenge is that um, all the networks have been built at different times to different specifications. Uh, very individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the things that makes them. Uh, you know, it keeps the, it keeps the cost low of implementation and has and allowed them to be rolled out. But then the downside of that is they are quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, For example, I would have loved to have had some additional trams for for my network in the last six months. That would have really helped. Mm. There's nowhere I can go to just go and borrow a um, or or sublease a tram for six months that you can do in heavy rail because you've got those common standards and common ways of um, uh, things being built. So I think there's more to do in that space. Um, uh, There's more to do in terms of how we get commonality between uh, between networks
0: i don't think i'd appreciated <clears throat> that actually talking about the trams i i you know i know that obviously as you say you can do that on the heavy rail i hadn't appreciated that it was that different on light rail
1: completely it's, it's completely Correctly. different um even down to component level in we, a similar way
0: to the underground <clears throat> yes
1: you can't you can't pick up a
0: tube train and put it on a different line it's, no, no that's on that line can't run
1: a tube train through nottingham
0: no <laughs> I don't think we'd want to, to be fair. Although we've got the cave system. So maybe we could maybe we could repurpose these caves. Um so talking of the schemes, I am gonna test you. How many have we got in the UK?
1: Oh we're debating, aren't we? We're counting. <laughs> what, Nottingham, Birmingham, yep. Manchester, yep. uh Newcastle, Metro. Yeah. Uh DLR,
0: mm-hmm. Croydon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Edinburgh. Yes.
1: And that one. Oh, what am I missing? Sheffield. Super one. Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> that's eight.
0: Blackpool. 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 Blackpool.
1: Forgot Blackpool.
0: I think that's probably, well, I've got nine here. That was nine. But I, yeah, Manchester.
1: Yeah, Manchester. Manchester. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I think there's probably more there than people would realize they're probably aware of the one that's in their city or the city that's closest to them but without actually recognizing that there are
1: but there's such differences between Mm -hmm. them as well um some of those you wouldn't you know we're we're a tram network and yes you know Sheffield uh you definitely comparable with the likes of Sheffield or Edinburgh um Mm -hmm. and Birmingham are probably the closest in terms of comparisons Manchester is a bit different again a lot of running on old um heavy rail lines um not level boarding, mm-hmm. running in multiple. We don't do any running in multiple. Mm-hmm. Um, so some very different challenges in Manchester, um, DLR. You know they would describe themselves as trains, not um, really. That's oh yeah, yeah, very definitely. But uh, um, uh, and, and again, driverless. Um, so something quite different again mm. uh, there, and 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 um, the metro in the northeast again quite different much closer to a metro than Mm. not a tram at all so
0: what is the distinction then between a metro so we've got metros. I'm not I'm not even
1: going to try I'm not even (laughs) going to try and answer that
0: (laughs) is that something that's open to debate depending on who's running which which uh, scheme yeah I'm not sure
1: I'm not sure how much it matters as well it's about having the right answer for the right
0: and it is about the fact that you kind of all need to work together, isn't it? Because you've also got the tram train and we were speaking earlier on yes. uh, before we started recording about, you know, tram train and how, how that could work and perhaps that could um, help relieve some pressure. I, on- I mean,
1: pers- I think, and we don't have any tram trains in Nottingham, but I think that's a fascinating concept, uh, clearly coming from a heavy rail background mm. and, you know, tram train spans the two or sits right in the middle. Um, but I, it, it disappoints me that we aren't seeing more of that yeah. Um, that type of technology being considered and rolled out. Because I think there's genuinely really good opportunity where a um, lighter version of heavy rail or a heavier version of light rail, whichever way you want to put it, um, could really unlock uh, either reopening routes which have been closed yeah. um, or or um, running over routes where currently maybe heavy rail runs Um I was talking earlier i think i will say you know the one of our lines into nottingham i, I think could be really interesting in terms of how does that relieve um or uh, or, or, or provide capacity at nottingham uh, railway station yeah. by taking out services which currently run into the into the railway station but but running them on the light rail network right into the city center mm-hmm. um and it's that sort of that that sort of thinking about how could yeah. we um uh, where are those opportunities and how can that be helpful for um, generating additional and this is revenue even,
0: i think whenever we speak about intermodal we we think about how can how can they all just line up neatly together so how can you make sure that a train comes in or a bus is going to leave at this right time for a train having come in or you know that there's a taxi rank available or a car park or there's places for bikes i i i don't necessarily think that we overlap we think about the overlap that there could be and i mean um tram train is definitely something that I'm conscious has been being discussed in the entire time that I've been in the industry, which is over 20 years. So it's kind of we just need somebody to to really grasp it. Um, And and I think it's interesting because obviously rail as a whole is going through a huge period of change and about to go through a, a huge period of change. And Great British Railways, I mean, whether that's going to impact you guys or not, whether it should do or not all up for debate, yes. I, I suppose. Yeah. But if you are going to have that kind of idea of a tram train network, then you would think that the involvement of Great British Railways would have to be there.
1: Yes, yeah, I agree with that. And um, I think there could be benefit to mm-hmm. uh, um, to the likes of GBR um, identifying those opportunities. I think where you've got to be careful though is is in the rollout of it is, um, if you turn light rail into, into heavy rail, it, it no longer carries with it a lot of the benefits that yeah. that are currently there um yeah. that being fleet of foot that that cost effective mm-hmm. um uh, way of operating standards standards well, that uh, line of sight yeah.
0: thing would go wouldn't
1: it and we mustn't lose that and i <laughs> exactly. uh, and i don't think i would have said that six uh mm-hmm. six months ago um
0: but the anxiety is obviously like put settled down a bit then now has it? i just <laughs> don't you.
1: i just don't look anymore no it, <laughs> no, it has and um i am in such admiration of our drivers mm-hmm. they do such a great job um, yeah. they really do uh, and, and they're, they're so skilled at what they do um, but no we, we mustn't lose that because it unlocks um, the ability to do um, do so much more in a, in mm-hmm. a different way than, than what we do with heavy rail
0: what are the key challenges that you're facing in light rail at the moment
1: so many of the many of the same challenges actually is, as in heavy rail so without a doubt recovery from uh, you know recovery from the pandemic and recovery of uh, patronage is mm-hmm. is absolutely key mm-hmm.
0: um how's nottingham doing though in terms of patch It's always busy whenever i'm on
1: the ground, <laughs> that's for sure um we're about uh, it was about 85 percent of okay. pre-covid levels in the run-up to christmas um encouraging signs post-christmas actually that that's still continuing to um to recover um i guess the problem is we all keep talking about comparison with with pre-COVID levels, but we're three years down the line now. So nobody's talking yeah. about comparisons with where we should have been in, in uh, against 2023 numbers, right. and that's the real challenge of where the, the where the gaps um, gaps opened up. Mm. Um, but just like heavy rail, we've seen uh, changes in in demand pattern. Um, one of the challenges for light rail is we haven't had the ability to lean on. Um, the leisure market in quite the same way as maybe Heavy yeah. Rail has. Um, yes, there is a bit of you know there is a bit of leisure market. We you know we serve the um, uh, the, the theatres and mm-hmm. uh, places like that. Um, but that's not a daily you know no. big daily churn. No. So we really do still rely on those those commuters and mm-hmm. um, and also the nightlife. Um, big difference for us was really getting back uh, students coming back in big numbers last summer. That was probably the big. Turning point yeah. uh, when they when they started to return. Um, so certainly, from a uh, recovery recovery of revenue post uh, post COVID is probably still the mm-hmm. uh, the biggest challenge. Um, we've also got challenges around um, you know we've still got a lot to do following the you know the tragic accident in Sandylands mm-hmm. on Croydon trams yeah. uh, so four or five years ago. The industry is going through a lot to. Um, to put in place uh, things to stop that from happening mm-hmm. again, um, but that's difficult. Again, when you've got a fragmented um, industry where everybody's got their own individual networks, yeah. uh, developing uh, mitigations is, is it's almost done on an individual basis, yeah. network yeah. by network, um, which isn't necessarily the most efficient or fastest way of, uh, uh, of doing or, that, or
0: cost efficient. I would Absolutely, imagine.
1: no, no. Um, so, so that's challenging. Mm.
0: And what about revenue protection? Because I know that that's something that obviously the Mainland railways struggling with as well. You know, you can get the people back, but whether they're paying or not is, is a different matter, especially when barriers are left open at train stations, as they quite often are. Um, but on the tram, you've got a completely different situation, haven't you? If you haven't got those revenue protection officers on the trams themselves or on the platforms checking.
1: Yeah, um, so... No barriers for a start. Yep. Not a single, um, not a single barrier. It's an open system. Mm. Uh, you know, go back to, you know, going back to the differences. This is a completely open system. This is again one of the things that just I find, you know, uh, terrifying when I first came in. But watching people just walk across the, uh, across the, across the tracks, particularly in areas off street where it's still open mm-hmm. system as well. Um, so there's there's no way of preventing people mm-hmm. before. Boarding the tram, um, I guess then you've got two models. You, you've got the model of having a, uh, a conductor, if you like, on mm-hmm. on every single service, um, and that is in fact how Nottingham started yes. originally, and certainly other um, other light rail networks such as Sheffield still have um, oh, okay. still have a conductor on every single tram. So very good at keeping fare evasion down. Very mm-hmm. good, but comes with quite a quite a significant yes. cost. Yeah. Um, so so. I mean, we operate in a sort of um, halfway house in terms of uh, having roving uh, customer experience agents rather than just purely <laughs> revenue. Uh, they have, they have um, other strings to their bow as well and yeah. uh, uh, other things they need to do. Um, and, and out there uh, driving down um, fare evasion. Um, just like heavy rail, during, during the pandemic, that was turned off because it was one of those areas of, you know, uh, close contact yeah. stopped happening. And of course, everybody, no, uh, not everybody, that's very unfair, actually. But a lot of people then start to see it as a, you know, a free system. Mm. Um, and, and some people believe it should be, mm. you know, a free uh, free to travel system. So we, we went through a lot of hard work during the course of last year in, in terms of uh, trying to reverse that mm-hmm. um, you know, fair evasions, uh, levels of 15, 20 percent plus uh, at the start of last year, down to less than five percent towards wow. the end of last year, and that's by um, uh, deploying our uh, customer experience team. Uh, you know, so and they're not random, but they would appear hopefully to uh, uh, to the uh, to the. The passengers as, as random mm-hmm. uh, onto the tr- onto the trams, but also trying to do different uh, mm-hmm. different things with them. So not always on the trams themselves. So we do things called gate lines at, at tram stops where we do sort of almost creating like those those yep. barriers uh, people to go through. We've had real success with um, plain clothes operation. It's brilliant to so see. Okay. If you're ever in Nottingham, I'll take you out and, okay. <laughs> and I'll, I'll show you. Um, and and we have our um, customer experience team. In plain clothes, mm-hmm. they just completely blend in, and then uh, they'll all jump up and do a do a ticket check. It's out like of a nowhere. flash mob. <laughs> it is. It is, and it's. It's. I, I'm so blown away with watching them do it. They're, mm-hmm. they're brilliant, and watching the reaction of, uh, of of um, people on the truck because you can tell the people that yeah that haven't got that you can yeah. you can tell straight Absolutely. away, um, and that's been really effective because that puts the doubt in the mind of oh well if i don't see somebody with high fares i'm okay
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's that's really effective of
0: um, oh i can imagine and and
1: then backing it up with things like announcements saying you know plain clothes revenue protection is in operation today mm-hmm. get enough of those announcements out um just sets in people's yeah. minds that bit of doubt and yeah uh, yeah and we're talking about you know evading a fare of you know a single like 2 pounds 60 it's yeah yeah. These aren't expensive fares. I,
0: and, I, and I think as well, it's, it's you know if people are used to being in London and used to using the tube, you pay for the tube, you tap on, you tap off, yeah. it's just what you do. And I think a lot of it is that education piece, isn't it, for some people, that this isn't a free system just because you don't have to, I mean, admittedly on the underground, you have to go through a barrier, but just because you haven't got to go through a barrier doesn't mean you don't have to pay for this. Yes, <laughs>
1: you know? yeah. And, and we increased our penalty fare uh, yeah. quite significantly uh, at the start of last year. Um, and I see, you know, heavy rail are following. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I'm not saying they're following suit. Like with coffee. they're not following <laughs> us, I'm sure, but uh, <laughs> it may, may be nice to think so. Um, but that's been tough. Um, mm. It's been it's been effective. Uh, it, it also, I mean, it's one of the, the big challenges for us is antisocial behaviour post um, post the pandemic and yeah. um, dealing with fair evaders. It, you know, can lead to some very uh, significant. Uh, points of conflict mm.
0: uh,
1: and that's quite challenging how you deal with that
0: and I can imagine that's the same as well with the nighttime service as yes. well, isn't it because it seems and I know from speaking to colleagues uh, well as you as you were yourself on when um, you're on the mainline side of things that, that antisocial behavior does seem to have increased yeah uh, it's yeah, almost well, a bit you, like a Pandora's box everybody see
1: the statistics bear it out mm. absolutely um we've increased our Uh, number of security so as well as having our customer experience team we deploy uh, security agents across the network as well Um, we do that quite targeted Mm -hmm. uh, known areas Um, we have to work really close with um, local police forces as well we do some really good things with um, uh, city police and wider Mm -hmm. um, and how they deploy their their resources to support us Mm -hmm. Um, but that's been really really important over the last uh, 18 months and and it's having a notable effect. We are seeing it come down, but um, uh, but it's it's a real issue, and it's a real issue that I was seeing in heavy rail as well. Yeah. So, uh,
0: and so it's interesting you say about working with the police. Is it the British Transport Police, or is this the, So it's so no, British we get, Transport Police don't cover.
1: We get no British Transport Police at okay. all. So it's all in conjunction with the civil police.
0: Okay, okay, that's interesting. So we have to work hard. Yeah. To
1: we have to work really hard to. Um, get our slice of the pie in that space Mm -hmm. you know rightly so um you know at times they may say you know where civil police what what do you want us to be dealing with is it Mm -hmm. this or or and then they'll name a different instance yeah i can (laughs) understand why why you might view that as more important but of course to us and to our um to our passengers it is really important and feeling safe yeah. Uh safe to travel around on the on the trap network.
0: So that's another clear distinction then, isn't it, between the light rail and the heavy rail, is, is that, that that general support that's there when it whether it comes to supporting antisocial behaviour or or anything else that there is, the standards, the government support maybe as well, it's it's very different because everything is done on an individual basis rather very than very localized. The network. Yeah,
1: very localised. Um so loads of similarities, but just on a very local
0: mm. uh yeah
1: in a very local way rather
0: So, So what, you know, we've spoken about the fact that there's, you know, you've got a forum for, for light rail, but are there any kind of, is there government support from light rail? Which department is it? Is it DFT that looks after you guys or where does it fit in the mix?
1: Yes, uh, ultimately DFT, yeah. uh, do certainly from a, a Nottingham point of view, you know, ultimately it goes back to DFT, but quite removed mm-hmm. uh, through a number of different bodies before you'd get back yeah. to, yeah. Okay. No, nothing like the involvement mm-hmm. that you would see from um, uh, in heavy rail uh, and Nottingham is quite different in itself in terms of the setup because mm. um, Nottingham is through a PFI contract which is quite unusual in itself uh, mm. for transport um, network. These days. These days, well, I, think, <laughs> I think quite new yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 certainly in light rail it's the only yeah. one. Okay. Um, uh but much more obviously from the uh the local authority who um uh, sure. have uh, more of a controlling influence
0: and, and so things like fare setting and all that kind of stuff that there isn't that same level of regulation as it is all done locally so Absolutely. It's, it's nottingham city council in yeah. this case yeah. uh, for for nottingham trams who will kind of get involved with all of that kind of thing rather than it being a global overview uh
1: yes and in fact even in our case uh the uh, nottingham city council aren't even involved in the fair setting okay. uh, that's that's to the um uh, the pfi concessionaire um but but i think what is uh one, one of the other things i've seen in terms of our contract and what's really interesting is uh everything is our responsibility mm-hmm. uh, there is nowhere to hide uh, you know i've got responsibility for the infrastructure for the rolling stock mm-hmm. for the operations. Um, there is no bond to turn around and point the finger at and believe me, I've tried, <laughs> I've tried, you know, we have incidents happening. We, you know, you have, uh, I don't know. Um, uh, we have a, a, a march across, uh, might be a bad example. You have a march across old market square. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for whatever event, uh, now some of these are exclu- excluded actually in this case, uh, but, um, uh, and you say, well, surely we get some relief because we can't, we can't operate our yep. trams. No. Uh, some of them you do depending on how they've occurred but um or or you get uh you know the the highways agency have decided to dig the road up where you drive your trams down surely we get some relief from that no Um, so
0: is the assumption that that you would have liaised with the highways agency or the
1: highways agency would have liaised with you exactly exactly so we have to work really really hard at uh at um, those sort of stakeholders mm. around our business so whether that be the highways agency or the, the City Council or Network Rail, um, mm-hmm. you know they're, they're, won't thank me for saying it but some of the level crossings particularly um, particularly up towards Hucknall they mm-hmm. run across the, the tramway and the railway when they fail mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't go back and claim that against Network Rail we just we just have to work really really hard Goodness. with those um, with those stakeholders uh, and try and find uh, ways to improve things. Yeah. We um, we've been working a lot with East Midlands Ambulance Service over the mm-hmm. last six months um, because we get we get people falling ill on, on you know on our on our tram network. We serve the hospital, mm-hmm. so how you know so it's challenging challenging ourselves and going is there a more effective way
0: yeah. if
1: we've got um, ill passengers on trams? Is there a more effective way to get them to the to the hospital than waiting for for an ambulance, an ambulance and yeah. we've done some of that yeah. uh, more recently. Um, but but we have to sort it. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, reflecting back on what I see happening in heavy rail at the moment, and maybe uh, the direction of travel, I, I, I think they're going. This is the this is the uh, this looks like the way that it may be going. Um, and as painful as it is, it's also so liberating too.
0: I can imagine you haven't got those same constraints, have you? And it is, it is a lot more of a community service because you are quite literally running through the communities. Yes, yeah. Um, so I can see how that would be different. And obviously, the, you know, the way that GBR are looking at things and the new uh, passenger service contracts that the TOCs will be entering into, the focus is very much more on that passenger side of things, yes. isn't it? Which, which having the flexibility that you've got, you are able to kind of deliver, albeit it's incredibly hard work. In the background,
1: yeah. yeah, and you do. You just have to, you know, you, some of these things get a bit frustrating, but you just yeah. have to dust yourself down and say, "Well, h- how are we going to fix it then? Yeah. What are we going to do?" Um, and you know, we've been we've been working with uh, ASDA in Highs and Green, mm-hmm. you know, because we keep getting road traffic collisions with people exiting uh, this,
0: the car park. The car park,
1: <laughs> yeah, and it is difficult exiting the car park because they exit straight into the straight mm-hmm. onto the uh onto the road where our trams run down um so so we're funding putting some speed humps in into the car park and we're funding putting some you know is it our responsibility i don't know but but it's costing us a lot of money so we go and do it um
0: so in terms of nottingham plans to expand
1: do you know everybody always asks me that question um i mean there were, there were ideas on the table a few yeah. years ago, I, I think. The, and that
0: was to go out West <coughs> Bridgeford way, wasn't I it? I think
1: there was three or four ideas yeah. on the table out towards West Bridgeford. extending uh, out
0: towards Eastwood way as well, wasn't yeah, there?
1: Yeah, uh, well? Eastwood, out towards obviously HS2 when it was at um, Toton. Yeah. Uh, that would probably have been very credible, um, even right the way across to Derby. Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of ideas, um, just like everywhere else, cost is a, is a real constraint. Yeah. I think I'll give you the same answer I've given internally and to other people. I, th- I think what's particularly interesting is seeing how this new proposed combined unitary authority mm-hmm. of um, Nottingham City, Nottinghamshire, Derby City, and Derbyshire, uh, how that evolves over the next uh, few months and years. Mm-hmm. That could unlock. That could unlock things. I, I could see how that could potentially um, help to enable some further expansion. Uh, and, of course, as, as the industry gets some confidence back, mm-hmm. uh, as customers come back and, and start travelling again. Um, and back to the things we were talking about at the start is how how do you do those extensions at lower cost? How do you use the latest technology to, uh, Absolutely. to do them cost efficiently?
0: But what else then do you think is in the future for TRAM in the immediate term? So we've spoken about the potential that there could be different Power solutions. I mean, you know, we've we've got a very clear target in the UK for net zero, um, Leveling Up agenda. I mean, it seems to me that trams tick all the boxes for yes. this, don't they? I mean, you yeah. guys should be wearing having big flags from the trams <laughs> if it wasn't going to uh, impact the overline um, the overline wires. But what can you see as being the next big changes that come up for trams?
1: I think it is that. I mean, I you know, hesitate to go back to the technology bit again. Yeah. I think it is that. Yeah. um uh, and it's it's how do you how do you roll it out cost effectively? Um, I still think there needs to be more in terms of thinking about not over standardising things, but getting some commonality between yeah. between networks to make it uh, make it more cost efficient. Um, obviously, there's the West Yorkshire uh, network that's being that's probably the one that's being quite actively talked mm-hmm. about at the moment with mm-hmm. with some good potential behind it. Yeah. Um, but it needs some momentum, and it needs some. Uh, it needs somebody driving that and mm-hmm. identifying where those opportunities are and uh, putting some money behind champion. it. Champion, yeah, absolutely. The
0: champion for light rail—that's that's clearly what it is. And I mean. It- you know, you tick all the boxes, you're doing everything you can. It sounds like you personally could do with some more trams. So, um, you know, any of those tram manufacturers out there that uh, want to do a good deal. Well, with I could
1: them. do, uh, <laughs> I could probably do another podcast with you uh, on the uh, recovery from <laughs> recovery from COVID. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody, it doesn't matter what, uh, whether you're in heavy rail, light rail or, or buses, everybody wants more, everybody wants more rolling stock and wants more, yep. uh, wants more drivers.
0: Yep. Yep. It's always the same. Anybody listening that wants to build some trams or wants to become a tram driver, then, uh, you know, there's a job for you. Yes. That's
1: what
0: we're saying. (laughs) Well, I think that is probably the perfect point for us to wrap up today, Chris. So thank you ever so much for taking the time to uh, speak to me and good luck with everything.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.